Can the Gonzaga Bulldogs stop Cam Shelton and LMU on Thursday in Los Angeles? The path to another WCC championship might just depend on it. Keys to the big matchup coming up right after this. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Today's episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right, it is WCC Wednesday. We are rolling through the conference today. First up, we're going to look at the LMU game coming up on Thursday, 8 p.m. for the Zags. We're going to talk about five keys to victory for Gonzaga, a team that did not beat LMU last time out, what this game might mean for them. We're going to close out the show in the final two segments discussing the WCC Awards. We're going to take a look at who I am projecting for Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, Newcomer of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, etc., as well as a projection for the 10 players who will be named to the All-WCC First Team this year. It's going to be a really, really difficult decision for the voters to end up picking who's going to make those teams. We'll get to that later in the show. For now, I want to start talking about this LMU game because it's a critical game. LMU, third place team in the conference right now, has beaten BYU, Gonzaga, and St. Mary's, the only team in WCC history to ever do that. They will forever hold that record. That is something that can never, ever be taken away from them as BYU departs the conference next season. A really tremendous accomplishment for Stan Johnson's club. Uh, and I think hats off to them for what they've been able to accomplish this year. But Gonzaga needs this win. They need this one badly, and it's rare that we're talking about a mid-February game against LMU as like a critical must-win game because it's usually not a conversation that we really have to have, but it's been a bit of a unique year. We know the WCC has kind of stepped up in a significant way. Gonzaga has has shown some warts uh, unusually this season, and, and now we're facing a game that the Zags really need to win if they want a chance of, of at least a share of the WCC title, if not an opportunity to win the conference regular season title outright. So we're going to talk about the five keys here for the Zags against LMU. Number one, pretty obvious. Get the ball out of Cam Shelton's hands. We'll talk about Cam Shelton a little bit more as we talk about the awards for this conference, but he's been fantastic this year. I, nothing short of incredible for what, what he has been able to do this season for LMU. Uh, and you got to look no further than the last time these two teams played. His performance, 27 points in that game. He, he was an absolute monster down the stretch, held onto the basketball, really kind of forced Gonzaga to try to put pressure on him. They kind of played a little bit more passively than I would have liked. I can remember a lot of uh, situations where Malachi Smith was was playing good on-ball defense, uh, but he wasn't putting a lot of pressure. And so Shelton was able to just kind of hold onto the ball for 24, 25, 27 seconds and then go attack the basket. And sometimes it worked and he got a bucket. Sometimes it didn't. But at the end of the day, what was happening is that the four minutes left on the clock pretty quickly shrank down to about a minute. And Gonzaga hadn't really been able to make up any room in part because of LMU's decision to really hold on to the basketball. So I would love to see more pressure defense, more on-ball defense directly in Cam Shelton's face and really attempts to get him to get rid of the basketball. Put the ball in somebody else's hands. If somebody else on LMU beats Gonzaga on Thursday, fine. You tip your hat, you allow that to happen. But if the Zags let Cam Shelton beat them again 
after he had 27 points against this team last time, after he scored 24 second half points against St. Mary's in their victory there, this dude is a, a killer. He is a conference killer. And if the Zags let him do that again, it's at this point, you have to have start to have some serious conversations about what's going on in the coaching staff's room, because that I think they have to have to find ways to make sure Cam Shelton is not the player who was beating them down the stretch. A couple other keys. Number two, stay hot at the free throw line. Zags made 16 in a row against BYU, 16 consecutive free throws, most of them taken by Julian Strother and Rasir Bolton. Uh, but that was critical, crucial to their success in that game. They had a game plan. Part of their game plan was get BYU's bigs in foul trouble early and then exploit them later in the game when they have backup bigs in the game. They're not able to play Fasuni Traore as much uh, and then beat them at the free throw line. That was all part of Gonzaga's game plan against BYU last week, and they executed it about as well as they've executed any game plan this season. They deserve credit for that. There were a lot of issues that they had in that game on the defensive end of the floor. A lot of things BYU did that kind of flummoxed Gonzaga, but at the end of the day, that portion of their game plan was executed to near perfection. So let's do it again. Rick Azanza fouled out in 20 minutes against the Zags last time these two teams played. He also had three critical blocks and played really, really good defense on Drew Timmy. Let's get them in foul trouble again. Let's start that process again. Get Drew Timmy the ball. Let him operate. Let him get this team in foul trouble. Uh, and then convert. You've got to convert. Last time these two teams played, Gonzaga was 15 of 23 from the free throw line. That's 65%. You know what happens if they shoot 18 of 23 from the free throw line? Heck, 17 of 23 from the free throw line, they win the ball game. They lost by one point. 65% from the free throw line in a game like that is not going to get it done. If Gonzaga can execute a similar game plan, force Santa, excuse me, force LMU into their depth early and execute down the stretch of the free throw line, they will win this basketball game. Those are critical keys for them in order to win this one. Next up, spacing the floor. The Zags only took 14 threes last time these two teams played. They only made four of them, which was obviously part of the issue, but they only took 14. It felt like Gonzaga was force-feeding the ball to Drew Timmy because that's what they thought would work, and normally it does. And this is not a criticism of Drew. He wasn't particularly great the last time these two teams played, but he wasn't awful either. The issue was that LMU was ready. They were ready to smother Drew Timmy, to force him to make tough shots. And Gonzaga didn't respond by knocking down open threes. If the opposing team is swarming all over your best player in the paint, you need to be able to make them pay for that. Gonzaga has done that this year. A handful of times they have been able to do that this year. They were not able to do it in the kennel the last time these teams played uh, when LMU was in town. They need to be able to do it this time. Last time, Rasir Bolt and Malachi Smith were a combined 0 of 3 from deep. It's concerning they didn't make any. It's almost as concerning. It might even be more concerning that they only took three between the two of them. These are Gonzaga's two of Gonzaga's best three-point shooters outside of Julian Strother. They need to be guys hitting outside shots, putting pressure on the defense, forcing the defense to come out and guard them because when they do that, Drew Timmy gets more room to operate. You give Drew Timmy more room to operate, you are going to win a basketball game by doing that. Key number four, crashed the glass. They were out-rebounded by nine last time, 38 to 29. They allowed seven offensive rebounds to LMU. This is a big issue for Gonzaga. Second chance points are how not as good teams beat better teams. Let's put it that way. LMU, very good basketball team, but them, in order to pull off an upset like this, you need to be able to win those 50-50 balls. Go get the loose balls. Scrap for those second chance points. LMU did it last time. Gonzaga can't let them do it again. Seven offensive rebounds, not going to get it done. 
I don't care if this eliminates Gonzaga's ability to get out in transition. Quite frankly, quite frankly, Gonzaga hasn't really been in transition all that well this season anyway. They have tried. Many teams have found it much more, have found it easier to stop Gonzaga from getting out in transition. Part of that is not having as good an outlet passers the way that Chet Holmgren was. Part of it was not having a point guard with the uh, ability to get the ball out and forward in transition the way that Andrew Nemhard did. Uh, but part of it is Gonzaga needing to dedicate more attention to cleaning up the defensive glass. In this game, I think that's critical. Send four guys, send three guys, push, make sure you are not letting LMU get offensive rebounds, even if that is preventing you from getting out in transition. If that's the case, get in your half court offense, spread the floor, get your Timmy the ball, let him go to work. That should take care of business here on Thursday night in Spokane. Final key here, tuning out the noise. I said in Spokane on that last game. This game is in LA, which is what I want to talk about here. Uh, in LA, LMU fans, they're going to be ready. They're going to be ready to roll. This is going to be a loud environment. LMU hasn't often had a particularly noteworthy crowd, I guess is the best way to put it, but I think they're going to bring it. This is a team again. They beat BYU. They beat St. Mary's. They beat Gonzaga. They're ready to roll. They want to do it again. They are going to be ready to beat this team in their home stadium, and I think that Gonzaga is going to need to tune out the noise. Thankfully, Gonzaga has been pretty good at that this year. They have gone down on the road in tough environments and come back and won. Now, they didn't do it against St. Mary's. That was the toughest one, but they have done it against BYU. They did it against San Francisco. LMU is as good, better than those two teams, but that still means that Gonzaga has this experience. They know what it's like to have a home crowd screaming at you, yelling, whooping, hooping, hollering, all of that stuff, and they've managed to stay composed and still found ways to get a victory. There's a chance they'll need to do that again. This LMU team is very, very good. And for Gonzaga, if they find themselves in that situation, staying calm, tuning out the noise, and still focusing on executing your game plan should be enough for them to get a victory. Well, like I said, it is WCC Wednesday. And with the conference nearing an end of the regular season, it is time to make predictions for our end of the season awards after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. Maybe you like DeMonta Sabonis to keep putting up huge numbers for Sacramento. Maybe you like Zach Collins in his new role with the Spurs to keep up the high level of production. Maybe you want to make an exclusive bet like Corey Kispert hitting two threes in the first three minutes of Washington's next game. Plus, you can do all of that and FanDuel will let you combine your bets for a chance at an even bigger payout with a same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, segment two, still any patents, still locked on Zag, still here talking through WCC Wednesday. I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. For your second listen, check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. We're getting closer and closer to March, and your host, Andy Patton, here and Isaac Shade are bringing you everything you need to know about college basketball. Big name experts, analysts, insiders, coaches, players, all of it. Locked On College Basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, it is award season, or it is getting closer 
two award season, I should say, for the WCC. I want to take a look at who I am projecting to win the key major awards in the WCC. That is, of course, player of the year, coach of the year, newcomer of the year, which is not freshman of the year, I might add, uh, sixth man of the year, and of course, defensive player of the year. Going to go through those guys one by one here. Player of the year, I'm still rolling with Drew. I'm going with Drew Timmy. It's kind of a three-man race, four-man race, arguably. Uh, Cam Shelton, who we spoke about in the first segment for LMU, he is definitely right in that conversation for player of the year. Brandon Podzimski from Santa Clara, he is in that conversation as well. I think to a lesser extent, Aiden Mahaney is in the conversation, that star freshman point guard for St. Mary's. Uh, His numbers are not quite as good. Uh, St. Mary's is a bit more balanced of a team, so there's not really one guy dominating for them. Uh, I do think that he is at least part of the conversation. But quite frankly, Drew Timmy is still, he's still the man. He's still the guy. Drew Timmy leads the conference in points per game, 21.1. As we're recording this right now, of course, on Valentine's Day here, he's leading the conference in field goals made. He's leading the conference in field goal percentage. He is also sixth in the conference in rebounds. And believe it or not, tied for fifth in assists. Leading scorer. Top five assist maker, top six rebounder, leading in field goal percentage. Number one team, or at least tied for the number one team. Hard to go against that. There's almost fatigue surrounding Drew Timmy because he won this award last year, because he's been a multi-time All-American, because people like to joke about how old he is, despite the fact that he is just a regular senior, right? He's a regular senior. <laughs> it's not even, He's not even a fifth-year guy. He's not Rasir Bolton, who's been back for multiple years. He's just a regular senior who's just been killing it since he was a freshman. I know there's fatigue around that, but the, the argument for Drew Timmy to win the player of the year is pretty sound. It's pretty significant right now. We'll see how things shake out. Of course, Gonzaga still got another game against St. Mary's. There's obviously things that could change. If Cam Shelton drops 30 and LMU wins on Thursday, that might change the equation a little bit as well. But right now, bias aside, I'm still rolling with Drew Timmy, the guy who's leading the conference in points. Coach of the year right now, same guy who won it last year, sticking with it, Randy Bennett. It's hard to go against Randy Bennett right now. There are two coaches who I think have a very significant argument for this award. Randy Bennett at St. Mary's, Stan Johnson at LMU. I would not be upset if Stan Johnson won this award. LMU was not projected to be a top three team in the conference. And yet here they are. We already mentioned the phenomenal stat that I will mention again. Only team ever to beat LMU, or excuse me, L, to beat BYU, St. Mary's, and Gonzaga in the same season. That's pretty tremendous. That's coming from a team that was projected to finish sixth, seventh, maybe as low as eighth by some people in the WCC. A team that lost Eli Scott, their leading scorer from last year, one of the best players they've had in a very long time, rebuilt their offense, spread the floor a little bit more, let Cam Shelton go to work, and has created a very, very dynamic offense. Having said all of that, Randy Bennett has one of the best teams in the entire country. Love him or hate him, and I know where many of you fall on that spectrum, Randy Bennett has one of the best teams in the country. St. Mary's top 10 in net, top 10 in Ken Palm. Uh, Obviously, they had that dip against LMU, but predominantly have been very, very excellent. Uh, Bennett's doing a really good job with the personnel that he has. He has cultivated an incredible defense. Uh, They are a better offensive team than they've been in a really long time. Uh, The development on that staff is phenomenal. Randy Bennett deserves this award. It's going to be close between him and Stan Johnson. I think if two people could win it, I would give it to both of them. Uh, But I think there's a really compelling argument for both of them. Having said that, St. Mary's being as good of a program as they are right now, it's hard to not lean in that direction. Newcomer of the year, again, not freshman of the year. Where at freshman of the year, it would be quite obvious. It would be Aiden Mahaney, who is clearly the best freshman in the entire conference. But because this is newcomer of the year, 
I think you got to go with Brandon Podzimski. Brandon Podzimski's star guard for Santa Clara. He has been phenomenal this year, currently averaging 19 and a half points, eight rebounds, 3.2 assists, and two steals per game, doing all that while shooting 43% from deep. This is a guy who averaged one and a half points last year at Illinois. He was at Illinois. He played most of their games, but he played very few minutes. I think about four minutes per game, one and a half points per game, decided to enter the transfer portal. Herb Sendex snapped him up at Santa Clara, and now he's a 20 points per game scorer. He's showing up on mock drafts. You know, a lot of attention has been put on Maxwell Lewis for Pepperdine, who is going to be drafted and is a very, very good NBA prospect. But Brandon Podzimski has now put himself in the conversation to be a second round, maybe, maybe even a first round pick. That is a tremendous thing for Santa Clara to potentially have two draftable players in back-to-back years. Brandon Pazemski has been awesome, and he absolutely deserves this award. I put some honorable mentions here as well. Uh, I already mentioned Aiden Mahaney as an honorable mention here. Tyrell Roberts, Washington State transfer, is doing really big things at San Francisco. And then Eric Williams, the conference's leading rebounder. He's also averaging about 14 points per game at San Diego. He is a transfer out of the University of Oregon. Those guys are in the conversation, but none of them uh, are at the level of Pazemski. And quite honestly, I'd be very, very surprised if he wasn't the one taking home this hardware at the end of the season. Sixth man of the year, always a little bit more difficult of an award to kind of anoint. Uh, Some guys, most guys don't start zero games for a season. So I'm trying to pick players who start significantly less or at least less than half of their team's games. Uh, The player that stood out to me the most, uh, and I think the front runner for this award at this point, is Rudy Williams, a point guard for BYU, Coastal Carolina transfer. He's averaging 12.2 points, 2.8 assists, 2.6 rebounds per game, shoot about 48% from the field. Not a particularly good outside shooter. He began the year in the starting lineup for BYU and just it, it didn't really work. He wasn't, he, he wasn't jiving well with the other guys in the starting lineup. Their, their offense was really disjointed at the beginning of the year for probably a variety of reasons. But Mark Pope made the decision to bring Rudy Williams off the bench, let him be more of a microwave scorer, guy who comes in, gets some buckets, kind of sets the tone like that, and it has really worked. In the first game these two teams played against each other, Rudy Williams didn't have any points for BYU against Gonzaga, but he had eight assists. He is a very good passer. He is a good scorer. He is a gifted, talented player. And him coming off the bench was the right decision for Mark Pope to make, and it has helped make BYU better. Honorable mentions here, uh, Pacific's Jordan Ivy Curry is the only other player I could find who has started less than half his team's game, who is averaging in double figures. Malachi Smith, of course, is a part of this conversation, eight and a half points per game for the Zags. And then I tossed Alden Applewhite, who has been a nice addition for the Portland Pilots this year. He's averaging about eight points off the bench as well. Closing it out here with the awards, Defensive Player of the Year. I'm going Kyle Bowen, going Kyle Bowen for the St. Mary's Gales. Uh, I think there's a handful of different options you can go with here. Using the Sports Reference website and their WCC rankings for uh, different statistical categories, uh, they have defensive win shares, they have defensive plus minus, and they have defensive rating. All of them mean slightly different things. All of them, Kyle Bowen is the leader in the conference. Kind of makes the decision a little bit easier. The advanced analytics numbers love Kyle Bowen as the best defensive player in this conference. The eye test for anybody who has watched even just Gonzaga's game against St. Mary's, but any other St. Mary's games, Kyle Bowen is a fantastic defensive player. He's averaging 7.8 rebounds per game. He's averaging 1.3 steals. He's averaging about a block per game, but more than the actual numbers on the court and the actual statistics, we're talking about a guy who can guard two through five. 
You could argue he could guard one through five. He plays fantastic post defense. He's great at taking charges. He's a good perimeter defensive player when they've used him in traps. He has been capable there. There is nothing on that end of the floor that he can't do. He's not much of an offensive player. He's averaging less than six points per game. Granted, St. Mary's doesn't score very many points per game, so that's kind of okay. But he is the best defensive player in the conference. Honorable mentions, of course, Anton Watson. For a lot of similar reasons, he has stepped up in a significant way as an offensive contributor for Gonzaga this year, but he is still a fantastic on-ball help defender, good rebounder, a good trap defensive player as well. And then the other honorable mentions, Mitchell Saxon, the big man for St. Mary's, averaging eight and a half rebounds per game, leading the conference in blocks, and San Francisco's Khalil Shabazz, who is leading the conference in steals at about two and a half per game. All right, closing out the show, we are going to look at the 10 players I picked for the All-WCC first team with a surprising number of Zags on the list coming up right after this. All right, segment three, still Eddie Patton, still locked on Zags, still talking WCC award season for WCC Wednesday. Who knows how much longer we'll get to do WCC Wednesday uh, with the conference realignments rumors continuing to swirl around the Bulldogs. I don't think Big 12 Wednesday has quite as much of a ring, so I'll be a little sad to get rid of the WCC Wednesday moniker, so happy to get a chance to use it here today. Going to go kind of rapid fire through the 10 players that I have selected for the all WCC first team here on February 15th. As you're listening to this, of course, it will change uh, for the next couple of weeks. We'll see how some of those final games and conference play shake out. But this was a hard decision. I ended up picking five guys for the second team. And I think there's a very compelling argument for each and every single one of them to be first team members as well. A lot of talent in this conference. I will start with a few guys that we've already discussed. Of course, Drew Timmy going to make the all WCC first team pretty much a no brainer there. Like I said, leading the conference in points, fifth in assists, sixth in rebounds, shooting 60%, a little over 60%, I should say from the field. Uh, Cam Shelton, obviously going to be a part of that team as well. 20.4 points per game right now, five and a half rebounds, 4.4 assists and two steals while shooting 35% from deep on the third place team in the conference. I'm not necessarily saying these in order, but I think that Drew Timmy, Cam Shelton, and number three here, Brandon Podzimski, are the three best players in the conference, the three realistic players competing for that player of the year award uh, in the WCC. Podzimski, again, averaging 19.5 points, eight rebounds, 3.2 assists, two steals, and shooting 43% from deep. Really nice season for the Illinois transfer. Number four here, Aiden Mahaney. Again, kind of mentioned him a little bit earlier. I don't think he's a super realistic candidate right now for the conference player of the year. Uh, He's statistically a little bit below everybody else, uh, 15 points per game again knocking him for having a lower points per game when St. Mary's clearly plays a slower paced offense is maybe a little bit unfair, but such is life. Two and a half boards, two assists. I think that's a knock on him a little bit as he's not a particularly great distributor right now. I think he will get better at that uh, as he just gets more acclimated to playing at the college level. He is a dead-eye outside shooter, though, of 41% from deep. Uh, Those were the four that were pretty much locks. There's a few other guys that I I pretty confidently penciled in, but after that, there's a lot of different ways this thing could go. Uh, Next up for me, Maxwell Lewis out of Pepperdine. I I alluded to him a little bit earlier as being the best draft prospect uh, in the WCC. That's still very true. Him and Podzemski are the best draft prospects. Strother kind of falls in uh, right around that category as well. But Lewis, 17 and a half points per game, six boards, three assists, shooting 36% from deep. Pepperdine is bad. 
They have not been a good team this year, but Maxwell Lewis has been absolutely awesome. Uh, and he will continue to be for as long as he stays in a Pepperdine uniform, which is only going to be a couple more weeks before he ends up heading out to the NBA draft. Next up, this was another easy pick for me, Khalil Shabazz out of San Francisco, the all-time leading three-point shooter in Don's history, fifth-year guy coming back to USF for one more go-around. He's been excellent. San Francisco has been a bit disappointing this year, uh, which I'm sure is, is eating at him a little bit as a guy who kind of came back for one more go-around. He's still having a fantastic year, though. 16 points, five and a half rebounds, three assists, 2.2 steals, shooting 34% from deep for Shabazz. After that, there's about 10 names that I had to whittle down to those final four spots. Uh, one of them, I couldn't ignore him, even though I've seen a lot less of him because the Zags have not played San Diego yet. Uh, that is Marcellus Erlington. Erlington's averaging 17 and a half points per game. Uh, that is tied for fifth in the conference. Hard to ignore a guy in the top five in scoring. He's also averaging seven rebounds per game, one and a half assists per game, and shooting 37% from deep. A nice player for Steve Lavin to still have uh, in the in the on the roster as he starts his first season coaching the Toreros. Uh, three more guys here to get through. Uh, Logan Johnson for St. Mary's. It felt wrong to not have two St. Mary's players on this roster. Logan Johnson is the second best player. You could argue the first best player on St. Mary's just in terms of his all-around contributions to this team. He's averaging about 14 points, five rebounds, about four assists. Uh, he's not a particularly efficient shooter, which has got to be something that <laughs> Randy Bennett struggles with uh, as a coach who really kind of seeks out highly efficient scoring players. Uh, but when he's on, he's one of the best scorers in the entire country. Next up, this is a guy I really struggled figuring out what to do with him. I felt like there needed to be somebody from BYU. Uh, and while I'm statistically, he's a little lower than some of the other guys. I do think he deserves a spot. That is Fusini Traore. Traore is averaging 13 points, 7.8 rebounds, a little over an assist. He's also shooting 60% from the field. One of the most efficient scorers in the entire conference. And then closing it out, yeah, we're not going to go with just one Zag on the awards list for the WCC first team. That would be very unprecedented. So we are going with two. Julian Strother does get that final spot on the all WCC first team for me. 14 and a half points, six and a half rebounds, one assist, shooting 41 and a half percent from deep. What that means is that five really, really good players got left off of this list, and there are more than five. Lots of good players who didn't make either of these two spots right now. Uh, the five guys that I listed as my second team members, last year the WCC had six. Uh, for those guys, Tyrell Roberts, he was the highest scoring player that I did not have on the list. He is that transfer guard from Washington State, currently playing alongside Khalil Shabazz at San Francisco. Tyler Robertson. From the University of Portland, I initially had him on the list and ended up moving him down. He has not been very efficient this year. He's under 40% from the field, under 33% from three, but he's a double-digit scorer. He's averaging more than five rebounds and more than five assists per game, not any other players in the conference who are doing that. I think there's a pretty reasonable chance he ends up as a first-team member, but for me, I just couldn't quite find a spot to put him on that team. Carlos Stewart's been fantastic for Santa Clara as their other guard uh, next to Podzimski. He's been a really, really nice player for them. He deserves a nod. Eric Williams at San Diego. I mentioned him earlier as the Oregon transfer leading the conference with nine and a half rebounds per game. He's also averaging over 14 points per game. He also dropped 42 in a game earlier this season, which was a fantastic. It's the leading uh, points 
in a single game for a WCC player. Julian Strother's 40 is second to Eric Williams, who dropped 42 in that game a couple of months ago. And then rounding out the second team, I mentioned him already as well, Mitchell Saxon. Again, hard to ignore him and the eight and a half rebounds, the 12 points, the league, or the conference leading blocks per game. That means that there's only two Zags out of the top 15 here. I kind of struggled with that a little bit, but Part of the narrative around Gonzaga this entire season has been that there hasn't been a lot of players stepping up outside of Drew Timmy. And looking at the statistics, the eye test from having watched a ton of WCC basketball, I think this is right. I think Julian Strother deserves to be on the first team at the very least on the second team. Drew Timmy, clearly first team member, likely WCC player of the year, at least right in that conversation. But after that, I wouldn't put Rasir Bolton over these players. You can make an argument that he's a better basketball player. Absolutely would hear that argument. I think a lot of the players on Gonzaga's roster are better basketball players, but that's not what this is about. It's about your production during the regular season. I'm leaning with the guys that I got here. I think Rasir Bolton is very close. I think Anton Watson is very close. I think that if there is, there will be an honorable mentions, and I think those guys will be in that conversation along with a few other guys who didn't make the cut here. Keelan Boone at Pacific is very good. Moses Wood at Portland is very good. Those are just a handful of guys who, who come to mind right now. Spencer Johnson at BYU is another one, but I think Gonzaga's maybe only going to have two guys here. Uh, and I think that that's kind of a testament to what their season has been like uh, for the Bulldogs this year. All right, that is going to do it for me today. Don't forget to check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. It's available wherever you get podcasts. Also available on YouTube. Go hit subscribe on there. Go hit subscribe on Locked On Zags if you haven't done so yet as well. Leave us a review on iTunes. Again, you could find the show wherever you already get podcasts. Find us on YouTube. Want to thank you all again for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. And as always, go Zags.